Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. Meantime, Kyle, help us out here on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from CBS 4 and Fox 59. Mike Chappell joins us. All right, Mike, I want to start right here. Um, I'm a, were you there today? Yes. Shaquille Leonard's in quote. Room. In the locker room, yes. Yeah, Shaquille Leonard's quote. It's just another game. All you hear about is Jacksonville last year. Last year, it's like talking about your ex-girlfriend when you're with somebody new. you got to learn from your ex. Make your life better and continue to get better from there. In quote, uh, the sense of urgency did not seem to be there with that quote. I'm assuming there's further context that's missing around this quote. Is there? Not really. That's what he said. Uh, And then earlier, I I was in there to talk to him, but Jonathan Taylor said, of course, we're motivated by last week we remember, or last year. We remember that. So it's it's just depend. The, the, what I've learned is players and coaches, the last thing you can do is, is guarantee or, or, hey, we know this is must win because then if you lose, you're screwed. You know, it's, it, it goes back to, you know, is one of the all-time great Marv Levy quotes is the only must win was World War II. But what you're saying is, and what we've said is, it's true. It's, it's you know, the season doesn't end, but you've got to know the urgency of what's in front of you. Kansas City coming in next week, and then you've got Tennessee, and then Denver and Tennessee. So it's 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 right there. It's just that some players are different on how they express it. I'm surprised a little bit that Leonard didn't say, well, of course, you know. We, you know, we, we laid an egg down there, and it cost us our season. But if anyone knows Shaq, he finds anything and everything to motivate himself. I mean, he's told us before that, you know, he, he or his family will look on social media to find something for motivation. So he knows, for whatever reason, he took that approach. Uh, I was a little surprised, but but then again, you talk to other players, and they they. You can't ignore the fact that not only did you, you know, blow the season last year in Jacksonville, but you haven't won down there in forever. So they know it's just that they're not, too many of them are not saying it's must win or win or else and all that. It's just, but they know, and and Frank knows, and Frank's mentioned that. So they just don't harp on it, but rest assured that he's, you know, for anyone who hasn't been involved in that, in that down there, and there's a, quite a few players, new players. They know how hard it's been, and it's made no sense at all. They know they know the importance of the game, and they they know how hard it's been to win in Jacksonville. So Mike Chapel of CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine talking Week Two with the Colts in Jacksonville on Sunday. I just mentioned this, and I, I understand he's been one of those guys that utilizes that that chip on the shoulder. If I were the guys that were there a year ago. Maybe they do. Maybe they're not going to say anything. Maybe some will. Maybe some won't. But watching the Jacksonville players laugh and giggle and clown on them while punching them out of the postseason and then further, I'm sure, costing them money in that process too. I, I And, Mike, I sit here and I don't mind if somebody's outspoken about, hey, we feel like we owe these guys a little bit of something, right. those that were on that team a year ago. I, I don't. Sometimes you kind of get with this group – you know, because the head coach is always going to, you get a little bit sick of the stinking high road, don't you? Sometimes yeah, the low road's that, okay that, to take. 
that that's the yeah I, I know you you live for the low road <laughs> yeah well but, i just I, I mean with this guy they they need an edge they, I know. they rarely yeah, I, have I, an I, edge I, and maybe the low road would be an edge i i i hear you and but again i i do think that that if players sit around and have burgers tonight and watch the game they they, they have to talk it, it's got to be on their mind they just are really really uh condition if that's the right word to not get that wrapped up in what happened although again like you said if you're not motivated by it then then what's up with you you know check your pulse they just i I just think they it's easier for us to to write about it and talk about it and they know if they don't go out and, and practice well this week and get ready that it'll happen again because yeah and i tell you Jacksonville is going to be better than Houston. This is a better Jacksonville team than what they faced in Houston last week. So if if they're not ready to play, if they don't play well, they're going to get dusted again. Hey, Mike, I thought when I was watching that on Sunday that, you know, the better part of three quarters, it was just as bad a football as it was in Jacksonville back in January. And I, I didn't think that the reason why Houston had a lead or that game was tied had anything to do with them other than being out there. I just thought everything that they did to earn that tie, if you will, from a Colts standpoint, the Colts did to themselves. It, it, you, there's always, you know, and Frank talks about others, you know, it's never one player. But there, there were a handful of plays, and, you know, we can get to the kicker later. But if, if Alec Pierce doesn't drop the touchdown and if Ashton Doolin doesn't, if it wasn't a drop, it was a should have catch. Yeah. I, you know, so, so what? It wasn't a. It wasn't as blatant of a drop as what Pierce had. But if Duran secures the ball, then the DB doesn't get in there and knock it away. That's eleven points you leave on the field early, and maybe that game gets away, and all of a sudden you're pressuring the quarterback, and and it's a lot easier when you let lesser teams, what we th- what we think are lesser teams, hang around. All of a sudden they think they're pretty good. So, uh, and, and then it comes down to all the things that went wrong, the three botched center snaps and the two drop, two drop touchdowns and, and all, and Braden Smith having a couple of bad plays in a row. If your kicker makes a kick, all those are teaching moments and not reasons that you, that you tied. So, uh, they did, they did quite a few good things, but, but this team is not good enough. Few teams are, few teams are, let's say that are good enough to do the things they did wrong and win. And, but they did, it's funny. The the one quote that struck me for Matt Ryan after the game is, uh, I don't think anyone asked about the kick itself, but he said, we put ourselves into position and that's what they did with all the bad stuff and this, that, and the other. And, you know, kick a fifth, kick a 42 yard field goal. And we're not having this kind of discussion. So it's it's it, again these guys just aren't good enough to to do all of that wrong and then have a missed kick, you know there were two or three missed kicks Sunday that cost teams Tennessee, you know misses what was it a forty seven yarder, yeah. So uh, it, it it it's things are that close. People don't like to hear that. Generally, games are that close, and you just can't keep doing bad things and expect to overcome them. Mike Chappell's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The injury report looked a bit concerning today. Uh, DeForest Buckner, for a second consecutive day, was a non-participant. 
Uh, Kenny Moore was on there, did not practice today too. But let's get to Michael Pittman Jr. with his health situation because you consider that he did not practice today. You consider still in concussion protocol is Alec Pierce. That's not looking so swell on a Thursday for Sunday if this thing holds up. Right. Now, I didn't go to practice. I had other things to do, but I, I was following Zach and a few guys. And apparently, uh, Pierce or George Bremer, too, from Anderson, uh, apparently Pierce practiced with, with his uh, yeah. red jersey. So that, that, it was that, limited. That, that it was, yeah, limited. Yeah. So that that's to me, that's encouraging. And then, you know, I guess you come back and have a full practice tomorrow. And then if there's no concussion symptoms, you're cleared. But he's on a he's on a short, like, you know, trip to get back. Pittman bears watching. I was told that he just experienced a little bit of an issue in practice yesterday, or he felt it yesterday, and they held him out today. We'll see what tomorrow's like. But I tell you, when we did uh, in our uh, on Fox 59, when we did our most indispensable Colts, for me, Pittman was number three. It was Ryan Taylor and then Pittman because of his value and and the the lack of certainty behind him. So, and then if they get Pierce back, if they get them both, they're they're in certainly much better shape. But I just, I've learned not to try to overreact to to Wednesday and Thursday practices because these guys, if if there's something going on, they tend to give them time to to get right as opposed to pushing through practice. So we'll see, but it's not ideal to go into Jacksonville with three of your, your your primary players not practicing, I've got to imagine it's going to be something pretty serious for Buckner not to play on Sunday. He's that, he's just that kind of a player. So we'll see how the practicing is tomorrow. Here's Mike Chappell with us. Um, obviously, it's going to take much more than a tie and certainly much more than a loss coming up on Sunday, for example. But what this might do is – create something it may create a path um because then you got kansas city and tennessee uh, a path leading to fubar right there which to me does expedite just how important this whole game is on sunday even if you know shaquille Leonard, for example does downplay that level of importance and we talked about that i mean the, the, these first seven games five in the division it gave you the chance the opportunity to really set things up to where you're not needing to get on a six-game winning streak and, you know, late against the tougher part of your schedule. Uh, I just looked at Houston as a game that got away. I mean, you always – the ties just uh, – and, and it was already brought up that, well, you know, Pittsburgh got in last year because of a tie. So, you know, that's always been floated out there that, you know, ties aren't bad. Well, but you should have won. So uh, but it, that these first seven games gives you the chance to set things up. It's against the division, and and the, the two non-divisions are are KC and, and Denver. So you just can't you just can't keep. Well, you know Tennessee lost. Well, okay, that, then then you should have you should have really had a chance to put a game between you guys. So that, that's the problem. You can't keep worrying about hoping that other teams don't get things done or or whatever, take care of your business. They didn't do it. And if they go down there and, and don't play well, I mean, it it, does, it it can snowball on you, and things can, can get out of hand, and you can't keep coming back from one and four and one and five and making something of your season. It's just too hard to do time after time.
It is. Yeah, and listen, I said this yesterday, and I think everybody, and, and again, that's what happens when you coach. Everybody's coming down hard on Frank Reich, the fourth down call, the tie last week, the fact that, you know, you come off that Jacksonville game, you do everything you can to try to start better, and you come out and, you know, basically for three quarters look awful on right. Sunday. Uh, and that's going to fall on the shoulders of the head coach, certainly. But at some point, and I think especially this weekend, when especially you were a part, Mike, of that embarrassment for them, that was an embarrassment for them on the field, embarrassment for their owner off the field. Uh, at some point, this is going to fall on the shoulders of the players. of just stepping up and doing what everybody says they can, but unfortunately, on a consistent basis, they have failed to do. I guess maybe I'm making more about this game than what it is, but that's how I see it. I, that's where I see the level of importance of this game, you know, beyond just the losing streak in, in Jacksonville in general over the past handful of years. Well, it's, a, it's, it's accountability. And we, we saw what happened with the kicker on accountability. That, you know, he, he's unemployed right now. Uh, now, you, it's, it's not like you can cut a receiver or cut a defensive end or whatever. Yeah. It, that's harder to do. But at least at that showed there is accountability, and they couldn't. They had to. What was it? Frank said it was a move we felt we had to make. Well, they did, and and I'm not convinced at all that they've gotten better at the position. Uh, they, they, they've gotten different, but there was kind of no. There was really. It would have been really, really hard to bring the kicker back and say we're going to let him work his way out of this. That didn't work really well for for Vinatieri in '19, and, and he had quite a few chips in on his side to, to to buy some time. But these guys, you just can't. Again, it's 17 games. Yeah, it's a long season, but it's just 17. So you just can't keep letting situations slip by. And if you if you think you're what you're supposed to be, then you go down to Jacksonville, which they should have done in Houston. And you find you just it's a street fight, and you find a way to win twenty three twenty. But until you do, it's just talk. It's just talk, and it isn't the players. How about a better pass rush? How about you know? I didn't think the pass protection was all that bad. Somebody pointed out there were seven hits on Ryan. Well, he dropped back fifty four times. You know, so you're going to get hit. That's just that's a fact of life. Who is it? Uh, Stafford got sacked like five or six times and got hit 13 times. So, you know, and, and Brett, or, uh, Aaron Rodgers got, got beat up pretty good. So, but just go out there and play and, and do the things you're supposed to do. When plays are there, make them. And don't lean so heavily if you have to on Pittman and Taylor. And, and when the other receivers have a chance, you know, catch the ball. Boy, it's, it's, it's not that difficult. It's not that complicated, I should say. But uh, I, I, we've both said that we'll know a lot more about this team in the first month. I kind of thought it was going to be positive, knowing what we know about them. And there's still, I mean, in one game, it, it, there's still plenty of time, an opportunity to turn things around. But it's got to start sometime. And if it doesn't start in Jacksonville, then, then you're oh one and one, and you got Mahomes coming in here on you know next week and. It just doesn't get easier. So, Mike Chapel with us. What would you think about the defense? And I'd said so much, talked so much about, for example, Yannick Ngakwe, and he was certainly pocketed 
by uh, Tunsil. There's no doubt about that, trying to come off the edge. Uh, rarely, if at all, did anything. And, you know, that big money up front defensive line, other than Grover Stewart, really didn't do much. I, I thought the secondary was all right. I thought Gilmore was okay, too. What did you think overall of what the defense looked like this past Sunday in Houston? Overall, okay. I mean, 20 points, That you know, that's enough to win. Pass rush wasn't nearly good enough. They didn't get any sacks until where they get the one by uh, EJ Speed, which yeah. really turned the game around. And then, then in the, the Quiddy didn't get his until overtime, but at least he got him. So I, I, I was a little bit disappointed in the pass rush. Run defense was good, real good. And then they let O.J. Howard, who's like 50, get loose for two touchdowns, which was just inexcusable. So at first glance, okay, just okay, just okay. But, again, they're, they're going to face a much, much better quarterback this week. And, and by the way, Jacksonville's got a couple pretty good runners. So th- this is going to be a much better test. And it's funny, everybody was making fun of, what's his name, Christian Kirk, the, the receiver yeah. that made Buku Bucks. Had a pretty good game first time out. Yeah, so I wasn't this, this I wasn't making fun up. of it. I wasn't making fun of it. <laughs> you could guarantee that. So I was not one, so. Yeah, but again, this this is a much, this will be a much more yeah. challenging offense than what they faced last week. No, and and you're absolutely right. I I talked to uh, Clay Harbor, who does a podcast, who's a former Jaguars tight end, and you know he made note of the fact that you know, there was so much across the NFL making fun of Jacksonville because if you remember when they signed Christian Kirk free agency wise, they kind of set the market really high again for that sure. position, and you had a lot of people complaining. If you go all the way back to March when all this started, but he, he kind of, you know, backed it up. He had a really good first game, even in that loss for Jacksonville offensively this past Sunday. Yeah, you said that, that's what, and that's what players do. If, it, if you're going to get paid like that or, or the attention's on you, then what are you going to do when it's time to show folks? Well, you go out there and you put up whatever it was, six or seven catches and 120, 130 yards. So that, that's why, again, these guys, the, the Colts have, what what everyone believes to be a a pretty good roster. Okay, well then it's you know you're and and Pittman and Taylor were everything you expected last week. They they were, but everybody else has got to step up and do more. Braden Smith has to play better. I think he played overall all right, but when a tackle play, has a couple of bad plays, they can they can cripple you. Uh, so I, I'm really really interested to see how these guys respond. Uh, you know, they're very, like 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 you mentioned with Shaq's comments, they're really trying to not stir things up, I guess, if that's what you want to say. I don't know. I mean, again, Jonathan Taylor made it very clear that they remember. So some, some players do and some, some players aren't talking about it, but it's all about how you play. And if they go out there and, and play it as they did after they got things going, you know, into the third quarter and, and through the rest of the game, they were pretty good. I, I looked at – 517 yards was like eighth most in the in in the indie indie era, and remember they've had some pretty good quarterbacks there with Manning and Luck, but 20 points ain't gonna cut it, and you can't leave you know points on the field, especially on the road. Uh, so I want to see how these guys respond after not getting it done the first week against a really an inferior opponent. Yeah, there is no doubt. Are they better? Oh, we're going to have one one hell of a Monday around here. Know what I mean? It seems just, like just, we've been in that position before, though. I think I've said these words before. 
it can, it can just get out of hand. That, that's the problem. And the fan base wants to believe. They really do. And it's up to the team to give them a reason to believe. And it's, it's but you don't do that by going to Houston and having the first tie in, in the indie era. That's, you know, that's just not the way you do it. Cause there's going to be much, much tougher games, much, much tougher weeks yeah. than Houston on the road. And the first one is Jacksonville on the road. No doubt about that. Mike Chapel of CBS four and Fox 59 is on the Andy Moore automotive group hotline. We'll find out what happens. I, you, know, I, you, know, again, you know what I learned that's really important today, though? What's that? I've got Amazon Prime. Do you really? I've got. You get uh, that my, in Beach Grove? My, my, well, my stepson, we, he, he, we've got Roku, and we've got. He, see, I'm, I'm still the dinosaur that I don't stream that much. I still got all the AT&T because I, like the, 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 I, I like that. But he's got me right. Amazon Prime and Disney and Netflix and all these things that I occasionally watch so i can it, it to me it's a pain in the ass to have to flip over to roku but at least i can flip over to roku i have a roku stick. i should say my daughter my 12 year old daughter laney has a roku stick in her room and i i kick her out all the time because i watch pluto <laughs> tv and i watch all the old on a loop nonstop andy griffith in black and white and Family yeah. ties from the eighties episodes. I watch an old like Barker era prices rights, but I don't think we have ordered we have Hulu, I think we have Netflix, but we don't have Amazon Prime. So I'm assuming okay, I'm gonna I, have to go I, home I to get mistake, that. But I made a mistake because about a month ago I put uh uh AMC plus on there. I did I did the and I'm one of the guys that they do this for. I, I did the free trial. Yeah. I wanted to watch dark I wanted to watch that Dark Winds series, which is really pretty good. Well, then, then I forgot to cancel it, so now I got charged for the for, for a month like an idiot. Cause I, and I'm the people they do that for because they figure they're going to at least get you for that month you forget to cancel it. But uh, there's some great stuff on there. There really is. I um I wonder how the numbers, and nobody really cares about that, I guess, but when I'm thinking about it, how the numbers – and I mentioned this earlier. If this were on Fox or NBC, you know – Whatever else, the, the numbers will be through the roof. There's no yep. doubt because this is a great matchup. I wonder how how the things numbers wise will look being on Amazon Prime like that. Well, it's just, it, it, it just can't be as strong anywhere near as strong because of the access. No doubt, I, I, I would think. I tell you one thing that they paid the kind of money they paid the bazillion dollars to have exclusive rights on Thursday. They're getting pretty good games, aren't they? So, uh, you know, that, yeah. that was a byproduct of paying out the nose for that. So at least we're going to get good games on Thursday instead of the Jets and Jacksonville or somebody. Well, you know, one of these days, very, very soon, this is going to be the protocol to watch games just like I this. I know, I know, yeah, I know. It's coming. So that, my, it my is. Money, talk, money talks, and that's going to dedicate. That's where we're going because that, that's what money that's where money says we go. You think about Pacer fans too that that don't have it on Directv or on whatever Comcast they might have or or whatever are going to have to if they want to watch the Pacers this year pay twenty bucks a month to get uh, Bally Sports you know Indiana and all the right. other Bally Sports channels but still that's a pretty large nugget little chunk of change right there for you it is twenty it bucks is. Now, a month, I, yeah. I, I've, I've been able to watch Pacers because part of my AT and T I get that 
yeah. uh, Fox Sports One or whatever. I can't whatever it is. Yeah, I do but, too. Uh, I I get it on Directv, and I have. That's the only reason. My mom, my mom down in in Green County changed to Directv because Dish Network dropped Bally, and she uh, switched to that just so she could watch the Pacers. So, um, and not not particularly this year, but in in years past. But that's where we're going, buddy. No doubt about that. Mike, I appreciate you as always. They're going to drag us kicking and screaming into the future. <laughs> no doubt, buddy. Appreciate you, Mike. Thank you. Later. So Mike Chappell of CBS4 and Fox 59 is with us. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he is a former tight end of the NFL. Specifically, in this case, uh, brings us good info regarding the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he does it for the Believe Podcasting Network. Clay Harbor is with us. Hello, Clay. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Clay, I could not be any better. Thank you for hopping on here as well. No, I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Love talking ball. Love talking Jags. I am um, I'm also reading up on your college stats, and one thing that jumped off the page is apparently you had a hell of a game against my Indiana State Sycamores back in the day. I may have oh, to hang did. up on your ass. <laughs> oh, who didn't have a hell of a game against the Indiana State Sycamores? Honestly, they had the uh, NCAA's longest losing streak for a Division Dude. One. Dude! Dude! Uh, Clay! But, hey, I got some good news for you. They broke <laughs> that streak against us. So they, they beat us. My I think it was my junior year, their first win in 27 games. So, there you go. Well, I tell you what. This is what you have learned since the end of your football playing career, and now you're doing some media and entertainment value stuff. You, you're incredibly balanced, Clay. That's job well done out of you right there. I appreciate that balance. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> Political. I might have a future in politics. So. Clay Arbor, the former NFL tight end, joins us. I'm, um, I'm kind of curious. How did you overall think in week one in that loss in Washington the Jaguars played in that first game under Doug Peterson? Honestly, I was encouraged. I was encouraged for the Jags. I mean, there was some, you know, there was some disheartening stuff, but overall, I liked what I saw. I think Trevor Lawrence is getting criticized a little bit, but when he wasn't getting pressured, he looked good. He delivered the ball. He missed a couple. He missed Travis Etienne early in the game for a touchdown. He missed uh, Zay Jones for a touchdown. He had a couple of misses, but when he wasn't being pressured, PFF had him graded as the, um, I think it was as the third most efficient quarterback, but he was, he gave up, they gave up a lot of pressure. I really loved what I saw with the receiving core and the running backs. James Robinson, ETN looked great. Robinson averaging over six yards of carry, ETN averaging about 12. Christian Kirk, the Jags have a number one receiver now. This guy's routes, he was running meticulous, very good routes. He was catching the ball with his hands playing confident had 117 yards receiving with six receptions zay jones looked good the guy looked good all camp i went down to jaguars camp he looked good there so overall i was i was encouraged even though he didn't get the win it's much better than it has been so there's that i don't know if this team's going to playoffs or i'm not booking my super bowl tickets yet but overall it was better than it has been Hey, Clay Harbor from the Believe Podcasting Network covers the Jaguars and the rest of the NFLs via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You bring up ETN. 
Um, and I, James Robinson certainly got more looks. I was kind of surprised, I guess, at the level because of his efficiency. And I know that's also because of the efficiency James Robinson had in that first game back there from injury. I was kind of surprised with that efficiency that ETN didn't get it more. Do you think that may change offensive philosophy-wise coming up on Sunday? Well, here's two things. Travis Etienne, people are down on him because he didn't. Uh, they're fantasy football. I hate fantasy football pe- owners. Not, <laughs> not in the fact that I – the way they look at the game, you can't talk trash on Etienne for doing what he did when that's the options he got. He did drop a touchdown pass. If you're going to talk bad about him for that, yo, it's his first game ever. The guy's a rookie, missed his whole first season, and he drops an open touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence, okay? You should have caught that. Other than that, Trevor missed him in the first quarter, the first, first or second drive of the game, wide open in the end zone. Every time he touched the ball, there was three plays called back. He looked good. This guy can play. He looks quick. He's fast. He's explosive. He has the ball. He can catch the ball, too. So I look for him to, uh, to get him more involved in the offense. But here's the thing. James Robinson looked good, too. He didn't look like yeah. he missed a step from that injury. So it's, it's a balance thing. How do you get them both the ball? You can't get them both the ball at the same time. So they're definitely going to be splitting carries. Hey, Clay, was that just kind of with the offensive flow of the game, too? Because here's what I thought, and I I talked to Mike Duraco yesterday who covers the Jaguars, and he kind of mentioned that maybe the the thought was going into week one not using Robinson as much as they did, but he was so good and was getting into the flow so so soon, obviously, after that injury that they felt that they should still go to him. Is that was just kind of a a game flow situation as to why, you know, the targets and, and the looks and the carries looked the way that they did on Sunday? Yeah, I feel like if the Jags want to downhill attack some team running the ball, they're going to give the ball to Robinson. He loves to run the ball between the tackles. He's a hard-nosed guy. He's a physical guy. Etienne likes to, he likes to get on the outside. He likes to get on the perimeter of the defense. If you're giving Etienne the ball, you see something where you think you can get outside, you can use your quickness, you can use your speed to beat this defense. Robinson is more of the downhill, straightforward runner. So I think that's the difference. It, it depends on how you want to attack the defense. And and so happened that the Redskins, the uh, you know the Jaguars wanted to attack them downhill. So Clay Harbor with us, the former NFL tight end, uh, former Jaguars tight end. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, should uh, Trevor Lawrence, in your opinion, be further along at this point in his career, or are you okay where he is presently? I think he's good. Last year was was a, was not a good year, but I mean. You can't really, you can't really blame the guy for for that. I mean, his 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 coach was, I mean, was awful. Let's just be real. His coach's awful. Now he's got a good he's got a good head coach. Got plenty of offensive coordinator. You got Press Taylor, Jim Bob Cooter, Mike McCoy, Doug Peterson. You got a lot of guys that played a lot of football in this league and have coached a lot of football in this league and specifically coached the uh, the, the, the quarterback position. I think Trevor looked great. You know, as far as, you know, he's getting he's getting criticized a little bit, but when he's not getting pressure in his face, he's looking good. If they can keep him clean, then he will be, you know, a great quarterback for the Jaguars. So here's the problem. you got to keep him clean. I think the offensive line, Luke Fortner didn't play good enough. Ben Barsh didn't play good enough. Those guys got to improve. Maybe you put Tyler Shatley, a veteran, in there. But uh, besides that, I think Trevor's looking good. He's got to improve a few things, but I'm, I'm happy with where he is. 
He's Clay Arbor with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You mentioned Christian Kirk, and you know a lot of people thought that the, the Jags overpaid. And let me tell you this: you know, as far as people describing him as a non-number one, they do the same thing regarding Michael Pittman Jr. And Michael Pittman Jr. absolutely is working his way into being a number one without question. What did you see outside of the route running and the efficiency out of Christian Kirk in that that first? First game that he can get better at you think over the course of the season and especially coming up Sunday I think he's looking good I think I know the Jaguars um you know got criticized for bringing him in like that but if you see the guy as your number one receiver and you saw something he can't be a number one then he didn't overpay and this week the first I know it's the first week of the season but he you know he showed that he can be that guy he played 90 percent of his snaps in the slot though so he's going to be the slot guy. Zay Jones played a little bit more outside. Marvin Jones outside. Evan Ingram, obviously, at tight end. Um, Travis Etienne hit a little bit of slot, too. But uh, I loved what I saw from Christian Kirk. Routes, hands, quickness, awareness. He's, everybody in that field for the Jaguars can catch the football. Zay Jones can catch the football. He led the NCAA when he came out of college. He set the, 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 United, the, the record catches overall this guy can catch the football and he's fast i went to training camp i go who's that that's zay jones well, this guy's incredible i've played with a lot of receivers in my day this guy's good marvin jones veteran he can catch the football evan ingram you know up and down he played okay he, he, can, he can beat somebody he can be a linebacker off the line of scrimmage so i like what i'm seeing from this team and i'm liking what i'm seeing from this receiving core so Clay Harbor with us. He's a part of the Believe Podcasting Network covering the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was an absolute nightmare against the Colts in that final game of the regular season a year ago, coming off the edge. And uh, you know, certainly Josh Allen, no doubt about that, with the two sacks a year ago. Um, yeah. He got off to a great start, certainly, in that week number one. And the Jaguars, regardless of the personnel in Jacksonville, for years now have given the Colts fits, but... What about him? Are we are we seeing a, an elite level, even further transition from this guy coming off the edge? I think Josh Allen will improve. You know, the Jaguars as a, as a whole, they gave up or they allowed the most time of any passer to Carson Wentz last week. They had one sack with Trayvon Walker last week. Besides that, they didn't get any pressure at all. He was standing back there. I mean, he, he looked he looked very very comfortable. And I think this week with a you know guy like Matt Ryan, obviously we're looking at it from two different directions here. But I think you got to get pressure on Matt Ryan. I know they don't want to blitz. Arden Key played very well this preseason. Trayvon Walker very well this preseason. Josh Allen very well this preseason, but it didn't translate on Sunday. These guys got to get more pressure on the quarterback. And I know they have a couple of speed packages on third and long. I want to see some more of that. I want to see Josh Allen you know get get some pressure. He didn't do it last week, but. I think he's going to have a little fire lit under under him this week, and hopefully they'll get some uh, some pressure on the QB. So Clay Harbor from the Believe Podcasting Network covers the Jaguars. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What, what do you make of, of what you see, either have seen in week number one or think about this Colts? We'll start on the offensive side of the football with 37-year-old quarterback Matt Ryan. Well, I like the Colts. Obviously, I mean, the, when, when you hear the Colts, for me as a guy that's, you know, I'm not a, obviously not a fan of the Colts, but first thing I think of is, is obviously Jonathan Taylor. I mean, this guy's a beast. He's the best running back in the league. And you think of this elite running game. 
okay, they got this great running back. But then the next thing that comes to mind is Michael Pittman Jr. This guy is massive. 6'4", 225, the guy can play. So those two guys that stick out, and then now you got Matt Ryan in there. He's aging. How's Matt Ryan going to play? You know, he's a veteran. The guy's won before. So it's, a, it's definitely going to be a tough game. That's the thought. You know, Michael Pittman Jr., Jonathan Taylor, you got some. Uh, you got some really good players there. I think Hines is an underrated guy that I, that I know, but I don't think a lot of people do. I'm always a tight end guy, so I think Mo Ali Cox is, is a decent tight end. I don't think he's a game breaking guy, but I think he's someone that uh, that plays the position right, does does well blocking. So uh, overall, I think you know the Colts and are, are a good are a good uh, good team, and it's going to be a tough tough game for the Jags. Hey, Clay, before I let you go, as a former NFL player, I want to ask you this, because from Shaquille Leonard earlier today, there was a quote about, I'll paraphrase here, about how this Jacksonville game is just, you know, another game. We sit you know, I'm talking about we as in, you know, us around here in the media sit around and talk about, you know, the importance of this game and, you know, the losing streak they have in Jacksonville and what happened a year ago in that final week of the season um, as to not really mattering as much as we make it feel and seem like it matters if you were in a Colts position and you have this long losing streak in Jacksonville you got bounced out of the playoffs and you know Jacksonville players were laughing and kind of clowning and you know having a good time at the expense of the Colts a year ago would this not even if you don't say it in the media clay would this not have a profound effect on your motivation coming up on Sunday would this just be another game to you I think um, I think you got to look at it as another game. Obviously, there's a lot of turnovers in rosters. There's a lot of different things that happen. But, you know, as an organization, I think the coaches know it's important to get this win for them. They haven't won in Jacksonville since I was playing tight end over there in, I think, 2014. Um, it's been a while. You know, I, I like Gus Bradley. He was my head coach in Jacksonville. I think he's, uh, he's going to put together a good plan this week, and he's got a little bit uh, up his sleeve for Jacksonville because of the way things went down over there. He wants to have a good game, get a win. The Colts need a win, in-division game. They lost the last game of the year to go to the playoffs, and who knows? With that running game, they could have went deep in the playoffs. I mean, they could have won at least a game. So I think it's a it's an important game for both teams. First off, the Jaguars don't want to start 0-2 going into, you know, a tough schedule. Eagles, uh, like 49ers on the, on the next upcoming game. So both teams – is, is do or die as you can get in the second week of the season. I think this is it. This is important for both teams here. So this is going to have huge implications on the division. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited for Sunday. Yeah, it's funny. In, in terms, Clay, before I let you go here, in, in terms of the Colts, if you start, you know, 0-1-1 one, and one, and then you have the home opener in week three against Kansas City, and then Tennessee comes to town in week number four, I mean, that does set a stage. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, that sets a stage for a level of football that I don't think anybody around here would like to see, much less Jim Irsay, the owner. That's why, to me, this game is, is so much more important than, for example, the Shaquille Leonard quote would lead folks to believe when reading it. Oh, yeah, the, the ownership and the fans and, and, and the coaches know, hey, we got to win in Jacksonville. This team knocked us out of the playoffs last year. This is a division team that thinks they're coming in here. They got a shot at the division this year. New quarterback, new coach. They're trying to set a precedent. So this is a big game. The Jaguars and in Duval, I can tell you, there's high hopes. They don't look at this team as the old Jaguars. They're just going to every week. They look at this team as a team, new coach, 
new receivers, new new running backs. It's just a new team, and they think they're a team that can compete for this division. They don't think it's the Colts' division anymore out here. So it's a big game for both teams to build to build on. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited. It's uh, Clay Harbor of the Believe Podcasting Network. Where, do, where are you? Uh, are you living in Jacksonville, or where are you living? I'm living in Chicago right now, downtown Chicago, enjoying the weather, beautiful weather out here today, 80 degrees and sunny. I know it's all about to take a turn for the worse in probably about a month, and we're going to be freezing our tails off out here, so enjoying it <laughs> while I can. How far is, uh, is your hometown Libertyville? Hometown is Libertyville, yes, sir. How far is that from the uh, – hold on, let me make sure I get this right – the Ravinia Fest? Oh, I couldn't tell you. What's the, the Ravinia? I haven't even heard the of that. Ravinia is like a concert venue. It's like a wine uh, and cheese kind of concert venue. You recognize that at all? Of, I moved out of Libertyville at 10 years old, so it's where I grew up, but I don't really know a lot of the things that go on out there. That's uh, Northside. It's, um, yeah, north, kind of around, uh, hell, I don't know what I'm talking about, Clay. I should just shut yeah. up. <laughs> It was like four years ago, man. Am I just getting too old and senile here or what? I just forgot everything. So, yeah. Or me, man, all that CTE taking on these lead blocks, you know. (laughs) It may be for me more than CTE. Uh, Clay, I don't know. Hopefully not. Hey, man, let me tell you, you were fantastic. We'll do it again, too, when we uh, turn this thing around and the Jags come back up here. I appreciate you and keep that podcast going, and thank you for the time. Of course. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Clay Harbor, the former tight end of the NFL, specifically for the Jaguars on the Believe Podcast Network. Boilermakers coming off a resounding effort, 56 to nothing over my Indiana State Sycamores. Uh, Get kind of a a weird, don't really know what to think type of matchup against the Cuse coming up this weekend. Tom Deanhart of Golden Black Illustrated joins us. Is is that... As odd to you as it is to me trying to look at this matchup and see what you think about it? Yeah, it really is. You know, the opener, they they probably let one get away. John against Penn State couldn't burn the clock and protect that late lead. And last week you're playing FCS team. You you, you should take care of them. Purdue did what it needed to do. But I'm like you. The the jury remains out. This trip this weekend to Syracuse will will, will be a nice litmus test for the Boilermakers to see what they're all about. It's going to be a tough, loud environment in the Ocarrier Dome. The Cuse, it's 2-0. They're they're, they're thinking big, too. What do you think about overall? We haven't talked since before that Penn State game. Um, That was incredibly disappointing, to say the least. And, yeah, I I don't know. How how much of a hangover was it for the fan base regarding the – the play calling of Jeff Brom there down the stretch in the fourth. There was a lot of hand-wringing, a lot of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking, as you would expect with the way that clock was managed. You know, the, the unwillingness to want to even try to run the football late to protect that lead um, twice. The Purdue defense got the, uh, the offense the ball with a 31-28 to lead twice. The offense did nothing with it. John, you you get one first down there. You probably have, it's probably enough to kill the clock, right? But they finally punt it back a third time, and Penn State takes advantage and wins the game. So yeah, uh, Jeff Brown was put on the microscope by a lot of people. Uh, there are limitations to the, this offense. We know that. Uh, you got to turn the page, though. And like I said last week, Purdue did what it needed to do, dominated a team that was was less than itself. But like I said, this is going to be a heck of a test 
against Syracuse on Saturday at noon Eastern time. Tom Dinar to Golden Black Illustrated talking Boilermaker football and the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, you, you mentioned that effort last week against Indiana State. Um, what, if anything, can you learn out of a 56 nothing game like that from what you saw? Yeah, not, not much. Um, you know that, that Aiden O'Connell-Charlie Jones connection continues to thrive. You know, Charlie Jones has been one of the early season revelations, not just in the Big Ten, but in the nation. Leads the country in receptions at this point. And, uh, yeah, the offense seems to be clicking. This is a veteran team overall. And uh, that's what you're going to need when you go on the road. You're a lot of upper class. When you have a six-year senior quarterback, it's going to be a loud environment, like I said, in the carrier dome. And, and I think Purdue got a lot of confidence. They got the, the confidence injection they needed leaving that game last Saturday in Rossage Stadium. And you, you want to little bit of swag when you go on the road for the first time, that's for sure. So Tom Deanhart is with us. You mentioned Charlie Jones, the wide receiver. He is the clear number one wide receiver, much like we talk about Michael Pittman Jr. being the clear number one with the Colts, for example. And then, much like we do with the Colts, you try to search for who's the number two, who can step up and take off some of that productive load or play off of that that Charlie Jones provides. Who would that be? Do they have enough there loaded up at wide receiver to back up what, what you expect him to do and what he's accomplished so far production-wise? Yeah, you're right. And that's a question that continues to hang over Purdue. I wrote a story about that very thing this week. They're still trying to sort through their options. I think they've got some good ones. Uh, Aiden O'Connell certainly has favored Charlie early on. If you look at the targets, they're ridiculous. He got 19 targets in the first game alone. But, yeah, you know, T.J. Sheffield, Deion Burks, uh, a couple Indianapolis kids, Brock Thompson, they got to get him healthy. And Tyrone Tracy as well, a kid from Decatur Central by way of Iowa. Again, there are some options there, but nobody's really stepped up to seize that, that number two spot. And, John, they also have to get their tight end, Payne Durham, going. You know, he only has four catches through these first two games. And he was a Mackey Award nominee coming into the year. And, uh, again, that's a guy they need, they need this production from. they got to try to get involved early on Saturday. Tom Dean Hart of Golden Black Illustrated with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So what do you make of the cues, Tommy D? like him. I like Dino Babers, the coach, a former Boilermaker assistant. A great running back in Sean Tucker, one of the best running backs in the country, a huge offensive line. They want to try to pound you. They want to try to beat you up. And that's going to be a problem for Purdue. They're, going to, they're not going to have their best defensive player, Jalen Grant. He's out. He missed last week's game. Probably going to miss a couple more. They certainly could use their best defensive player trying to slow down this physical Syracuse offense. It has four 300-pounders on their line. So, yeah. They're built around that run, a lot of read option. They want to set you up for some play-action passes, so you have to be really disciplined as a defense. We saw a lot of mistakes. You know, we talk about, and, and really the fans talked about, Jeff Brom and the play calling down the stretch that, that unraveled, certainly. But there were a lot of mistakes, a lot of penalties, a lot of things yeah. that you probably could not see that were better, that were fixed in that game against Indiana State. You know, how likely is it, how much do you feel that a lot of those miscues in week number one can be made up and better played out coming up this week? You know, nine penalties in the open. They did trim that penalty total last week. But like you said, it was, a, it was a very much a lesser opponent. A lot of that comes down to your discipline, right? You're playing smart. So, again, we'll find out more. Like I said, this will be more like the real game, too, I guess, for Purdue. See if they have cleaned up a lot of those things that troubled them against Penn State you talked about. The penalties in particular, 
We talked about the inability to really run the football when you needed to run the football. Can they do that against a power five opponent? We'll find out if they clean any of that up as well. So, yeah, there, there's plenty of things to keep an eye on for Purdue. And uh, you know what, John, I also need to try to get torqued up is Charlie Jones as a return man. Remember, he was the Big Ten return man of the year last year at Iowa. And uh, he really hasn't had an impact here at Purdue yet, trying to run back kicks and, and punts. You know, Jeff Brown thinks he may get a little worn out catching all these passes. But, again, he could be a real difference maker there in the return game. It just hasn't happened yet. How's this game go down coming up on Saturday, Tom? I think it's going to be a lot of points. As usual, John, I think Purdue always has to score probably at least 30 points to win most games. I think they can do it. I think it's going to be tight. This game's about to pick them right now. I think Syracuse may be given a point or two. I think the Boilers, because of their, their, their six-year senior quarterback, may find a way to, to squeeze this one out and going against that kind of funky Syracuse defense that plays a 3-3-5 three, three, alignment, which you do not see very often. Tom Dean Hart of Golden Black Illustrated. He is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So has the message boards kind of calmed down a little bit in the past two weeks? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, man? Those never. Are- <laughs> never. <laughs> For speculation, conjecture, and complaining. So uh, I guess, you know, you, you got to love it. It's a community. And uh, there's always they're always discussing something. So, yeah, there, there's plenty to dissect these first two weeks. So we'll see what they have to hash over come about 3.30, uh, 3.30 on Saturday here. Tommy D, when you think about the teams around here, and I talk about this all the time, they are the ones that people root for, not just Purdue, but we are talking about the football team, the basketball program, IU football and basketball, the Colts and the Pacers. These teams that we talk about are more than willing here in recent history to let you down. It's been really like a two steps forward and three steps back. Even the good things that you do normally are followed by a head scratcher or something negative. And I think a lot of the fan base kind of take on that personality of the way that the team they root for has played over the past handful of years. Yeah, you kind of get used to getting let down sometimes. But there were, there's some big expectations for this Purdue football team, and everything's still ahead of them here. And even with that loss to Penn State, everything's still ahead of them. They can still reach their goals, maybe competing and winning that, that Big Ten West. And, uh, you know, tomorrow, like I said, it's in do or die, but it's a game you, you like to win to get some more momentum because you come home to play Ford, Ford Atlantic and you have to go on the road, open up at Minnesota and at Maryland. So it'll be tough. Tom Deanhart, Golden Black Illustrated on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. All right. Enjoy the game coming up on Saturday. Enjoy the game and then give us an update and see really what the Boilermaker football team is. Coming up next oh. week. I'll, I'll check out the message boards, too, and see how they're humming. <laughs> Take care, my friend. You got it. Tom Dean, Art of Golden Black Illustrated on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline.